morning, Bethel. It's great to see you here. Welcome if you're a visitor. Welcome if you've first time back for a while. It's great to see you here. Welcome if you tune in online. And I was just thinking as we were worshipping there, <coughs> um, if you remember way back, it's only two years ago, but it seems more like 10 or 12, doesn't it, to, our, to the first lockdown that we had, where we weren't allowed to pretty much do anything except breathe in our own homes. And we were completely online. And during that time, we were, I was there on a Thursday morning early in front of an iPad, recording stuff to go out for Sundays, and our worship team would, would do videos, and they'd send them, and we'd put it all together, and then we'd Facebook premiere it. And in, it, it was a difficult time for many, and I was just reflecting as we were worshipping there. For me, it, uh, spiritually, it was really, really, I found it really, really hard. And for a long time, I couldn't put my finger on why. And, and my faith isn't dependent on being here on a Sunday. But actually, over time and over the last couple of years, and as I've been praying into that, Lord, what, what was going on there? It, it was this that I missed. It was worshipping with you guys on a Sunday. It was gathering with, with God's people on a Sunday morning with you guys, with you, all of your beautiful faces. <laughs> yes, beautiful faces. That's how God sees you anyway. Um, no, sorry. Uh, but actually, gathering with all of you guys, which makes my following of Jesus kind of complete. It doesn't hinge on that. And, and if we were never able to, to gather together for different reasons, would my faith still be faith? Yes, of course it would. But actually, there's something special about when God's people come together. When God's people come together in worship, when God's people come together in prayer, when we come together around his word. Um, but we, we're blessed with our tech team who's able to still live stream this. We've got some people in our fellowship who are unable to physically be here. And that's just a real blessing that we're, we've got a team that's able to do that. I just want to just have a shout out to our teams, to the, the faithfulness of our kids' team, our children's team that are, are ministering to our children, to our teenagers. Um, they go out and we don't really notice it, but they, they've put a lot of effort and prayer and hard work into that. And to our worship team as well, I thank you for their patience with me this week. Things were changing at last minute, very last minute this morning. So thank you for that, guys. I really appreciate that. We're coming down towards the end of our series in the book of James. And if you haven't been with us for long, uh, don't worry, we're kind of in the last passage of James now. We've, for some months now, we've been going through the book of James in our series called Faith That Works. And the whole premise of it is actually, really, as we read through the book of James, that if faith is just in our heads, if it's just stuff we know about, if we just know about God, then that's not enough. James even takes it one step further than that, and James says, our faith should make a real tangible difference to this world. A real tangible difference to other people's lives, spiritually and, and, and I'd say physically as well. And as we've journeyed through and we've, we've, we've looked at that and we, we looked a few times at that passage in Micah where it talks about justice. Seek justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. And most of us know that part of the verse, but we're actually struck by the first part of that verse where it says, this is what the Lord requires. This isn't an optional extra. This isn't something to bolt on if we've got time. So our faith needs to make a real tangible difference 
people's lives have been saved. And James goes this far to say, if it doesn't, then it's not really faith. And I, I joke with some people that I've been talking to, met with a few other pastors this week, and, and I said, I, I used to like James. But actually going through it, I, of course, I still love it's God's word, but it's been, it's been challenging. And we're, we're asking the question continually because we don't want this to be another series that we go through. We, we've become professionals as Christians, haven't we? of looking at God's word, being challenged on it, putting it on the shelf until next week. And let that gather dust, because actually I I don't want that to upset the apple cart. I I don't want what God's been saying to to challenge me. I I don't really want to change. And we asked a question a few weeks ago, a bit like Jesus does sometimes, is do you want to get better? Do you want to get better? Do we want to move on in our following of Jesus? Do we want to experience what it means to hear from him every day? To, be, to experience his presence in our everyday lives all day long? Because that's what he wants. He's not a distant God that we can only connect with at certain times or in special ways. He's a God that wants to be intrinsically involved in every area of your life and mine. Completely. All day long. So do we want to get a better? Do we want to move? And, and as I was talking with someone recently about this, and sadly I think often our response is no. Because we're quite happy sitting in our own muck and in the mud. Because we, we like it. We kind of like the smell and we're kind of comfortable in it. Because if we step out of that, we're afraid of what might happen. We're afraid of what God might do. We're afraid often of what God might ask me to do. That's no way to live. I can tell you from experience, that's no no way to live. And I don't, please don't ever think, oh, it's okay for him because he's got it all figured out. I I, I don't. But I want to journey with you guys as people who, let's, let's strive for this. Let's make this the most important thing in our lives. Let's make our following of Jesus and our desire to have that deep, Communion is the only word I can think to describe it. That deep communion with our Saviour. Let's strive to live that way. With one another. With him. And with the world that we're in. From Monday to Saturday. And this is what's really been coming out of the book of James. And today we're we're in the end of the book of James. In James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. And it talks all about prayer. It's all about prayer. So we've entitled today's message, Pray Continually. So I'm going to read those few verses there, and then we'll pause and we'll pray. We'll ask the Spirit to have free rule and reign in our hearts, in my heart, in your heart, in in this place today. So James 5.13. If you've got your Bible or it's on the screen or you've got a little device in your hand. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other 
and pray for each of us so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So we need to pray, and we need to continue to pray for what's going on in the world around us, the situation in Ukraine and Russia and the the, the surrounding nations. Um, As a church, we support an organization called InterArc, and they're working with Christians in Moldova, which borders Ukraine, Um, and they're working to support refugees that are pouring into Moldova, and there's an opportunity, uh, and we'll, po- we'll send it around by email and on Facebook this week. There's an opportunity to be able to support that, uh, that, that ministry to, to Christian organizations in Moldova that are trying to help refugees pouring out of Ukraine. We'll send that around with more details, more details this week. So we need to pray. Let's just come before the Lord uh, at the moment. Holy Father, we come before you this morning. Perhaps we're tired, perhaps we're weary, perhaps we're confused. Perhaps we haven't heard you for some time. Lord, by your spirit, would you encourage us to lay all that down at this very moment at your feet. We want to thank you just for who you are this morning. We want to thank you for your kindness and your love and your goodness and your gentleness, Jesus. Lord, as we come before you this morning with the situation in Ukraine that's on our 24-7 news channels that we hear about every every minute of every day. We ask primarily in this situation, Father, that your will would be done. You see much more than we can. You know the end from the beginning, so we want to leave this in your hands. We pray for the Christians in Ukraine, for the church in Ukraine. We pray, Lord, you would raise up a mighty army of believers that somehow through the midst of all the darkness and the pain that transform lives and transform, will transform that nation, Lord. We thank you for the Christians like those in Moldova we spoke about who are seeking to help those who are pouring out of the country. Lord, would you give them, give them opportunity to speak of the hope that's within them, Lord? And Lord, at the end of this, whenever that is, when people return to their homes, might they take that hope with them? Lord, we pray for the leaders, the leaders in Russia, the leaders in Ukraine, and the leaders of the Western world as well. Father, would you guide and direct their decisions? Would you speak into the meetings that are going on? Lord, would you break through into the heads of governments, 
By the power of your spirit, would you transform lives even in those places? Lord, wouldn't that be amazing where at the end of this conflict, whenever that is, we can point back and say how awesome and mighty and powerful you really are. And we point back to you. So Lord, we want to humbly come before you this morning. We ask as we open your word today, as we talk about prayer, you would just take our prayer life to a different level today. Forgive us for our self-centered, throwaway prayers. Forgive us for our petulance with you sometimes. Forgive us for the times we, we don't even come to you at all. I pray by your spirit you would encourage us to understand what it means not to be people who pray, but be people of prayer. Lord, by your spirit, would you move amongst us this morning in a mighty and powerful way? Would you break down the barriers and the walls we put up to protect ourselves from you? Which is completely crazy and we know that in our heads. But would you help us just to relinquish control fully to you today, King Jesus? We want to thank you for all you're doing in this place. I thank you for the encouragement, Lord. I thank you for us being able to worship together and how much of an encouragement and a blessing that really is. Lord, would your name be lifted high and would all we say and do today bring you honour and glory and praise. We ask this in your name. Amen. Okay, so James, this passage in James is all about prayer. So we've got actually two more weeks here in the book of James. So we're going to probably take two weeks on this passage here. So I want today to talk about prayer in general. And then next week, Lord willing, we'll come back to this passage and look at some of the detail and some of the specifics of what James says. And then on the 20th of March will be our last Sunday in James, which will kind of be an overview, overview of what has God been saying to us from James. And like I said, we don't just want to put this aside. We really want to come before God and say, what is it you're saying to us? If you're saying to us to have a heart for justice for those who can't speak up for themselves, what does that look like? And I want us to continue that conversation as we move on through Easter. And then we've got three Sundays in the run-up to Easter, and then we have Easter Sunday. We've got, we're blessed we've got different people speaking, so you won't see me here for about a month. Uh, at least not here. I'll be here, but not on the platform, um, which you'll be blessed by, I'm sure. And... Uh, I know some of you will be saying, well, what, what, what's he doing if he's not going to be working for that hour and a half on a Sunday? Um, I'm glad to meet, meet, meet up with you and give you an insight, but there you go. As we've been coming through the book of James, and especially this year, we felt that God's been challenging us with three things. With three things. One of those is to get back to a sense of who God is. To get back to that sense of awe and wonder of his majesty, his power, and just who he is. I know in my own following, I've, I'll be honest with you, I've become flippant. I've known about God all of my life. I was born into a Christian home, which was a blessing. That's something I had to come to terms with, if I'm honest, through my teenage years. But that was a real blessing to be born into a Christian home. 
I know lots of you weren't, but I've known about God. Let's put it that way. I've known about God all of my life. And there there was a time when I was younger when that made a real deep, meaningful impact on my life and I surrendered my life to him. But sometimes when we've known about something for so long, we can take it for granted. We can do that with our own relationships, in, in, in our marriages, with our children, with our grandchildren, with friends. We, we can take each other for granted, can't we? And I think for too long as church, we've done that with God. I think something, one thing God's been saying is, I want us to get back to that sense of awe and wonder of his majesty, of his power, and just who he is. The one that sustains all life. Not the one that just created however long ago, depending on where your theology is with that, but the one who still sustains all life. The one who holds the very next breath that you breathe without thinking it in his hand. And I think as church, and I'll say global, kind of Western evangelical church, we've built up some theologies around some good stuff that Paul says, which is great. But actually, if we read the Old Testament a bit more, you know, this part of our Bible, and same with mine, is, is probably more thumbed than this half. But if we get into the Old Testament and see what the, the poets and the prophets have got to say about God, and the language they use to describe God. And if, and if you read around, even, even in some Jewish scholars, some Jewish writing, the, the, the words they use for God are things we just don't have in our Christian vocabulary, if I'm honest. I think we need to get some of that. We need, we need to bring some of this into our following because it takes us to a different place. Another thing we've been saying that God's been saying, challenges about is prayer because when we, when we have this correct view of God, when we're completely in awe and wonder of this amazing, all-powerful creator who still chooses me and you, that fuels our prayer life. It changes the way we pray. Because when we've got this right view of God, no, no longer am I just focused on the micro here, which is important still. Don't get me wrong with that. God is, cares about every detail of your life. But actually, when we come before God in that way, we come before him more, more like in a Revelation 4 scene. And we talked about that in the summer, didn't we? How that John gets taken up to heaven and, and into the throne room and what's going on? There aren't people with shopping lists for God. There aren't people saying, actually, God, I'm going to do this and I need you to bless me. There aren't people saying, God, I need you to do this, 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 this for me, and then I might follow you. They're bowing down before the throne. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. And I really, really feel if we get to that in our following of him, that changes. That's, this, is a, this is a game changer. It was for me. And the other thing which we're going to explore more after Easter is getting back to the words and ways of Jesus. And the words Jesus said, but not only what he said, but what did he do? What didn't he do? Where did he go? Who did he hang out with? Equally as important as, as, uh, as the things he said. But today we're talking about prayer. And it's like, like I said, we, we want to be people of prayer, people who, who, who 24-7 
all day long have that deep communion with Jesus. People who, when we wake up, we pray. Just naturally, we just start to pray. When before we go to sleep, we pray. When we're stood at the bus stop, we pray. When we're driving in our car, we pray, as long as you're keeping your eyes on the road. And I, some people, I was chatting with someone uh, on one of our discipleship groups we had, and I was saying about praying when they drive, and they said, I really can't. I really can't pray and drive at the same time because I, I'm so focused on what I'm doing. And that's okay, God knows that. But actually, people of prayer, people, if we're disturbing and we're up in the night, the first thing we do is come to God in prayer. And it, it just becomes part of who we are rather than something we do. Do you understand the subtle difference with that? Because part of who I am rather than something I do, or, or I feel guilty because I haven't done. That's often the reality for many of us. And we've, we've been talking as a leadership and once or twice here as well, is perhaps we need to have a new metric of measuring our faith. Because we like to measure stuff, don't we? We like to measure, how well am I doing in my following of Jesus? Well, I've read 14 chapters today, did you know that? Or oh, I prayed for an hour this morning, I got up really early today, so... But actually, what we've been saying is, is perhaps a new metric could be how many times have I heard from God today? Because when we're in that deep communion, it's not one-way traffic, did you know that? God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak truth into your life. He wants to challenge us. He wants to direct us. He, he wants to just take control of our every day. He wants us to make aware of who's around us and what he's already up to around us. Did you know that? Did you know the Spirit is already at work in people's lives, in your workplace, in your school, in your college, in your neighborhood, in your home. Did you know that? He's already at work in spite of us. And that, that's encouraging. I want to read, you, take, read a verse for you from Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Interesting what Paul says here in Colossians. Colossians 4, verse 2, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer. So, being the simple chap I am, I looked up devote in the dictionary because we all have ideas of what words mean, don't we? It means to be earnest, to be diligent. To give all of your time and resources to someone or something. Imagine that. Give all your time and resources to pray. How would your life look different? And you might well be thinking, I haven't got time for that. I'm too busy. Have you seen my schedule? Have you seen what I've got on this week? You don't experience, you, you, you don't live in my family or my household or my job. Let me tell you, when we become people of prayer, we don't have to look for times to pray. Does that make sense? Because it's continual. Continual conversation with God all day long. Without even having to think about it. And I really feel that this is where God wants us to be as people. As people who, who take his name. But if you want to flip over from Colossians to the book of 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want to read to you, again it's on the screen there from verse 16 to verse 24. 
Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Uh, we used to, I came from a tradition where we memorize scripture a lot. It seems to have fallen out of fashion, but I think we need to get back to it, if I'm honest. The psalmist says, your word have I hid in my heart. We can't do that if we don't know it. We just put that out there. If we're relying on Google all the time, we're not hiding it in our heart. We're, we're looking for it elsewhere. But actually, these were the verses we used to love is mem- memorizing scripture. Two, two word verses. These are easy. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always, pray continually. What would your life look like? What would my life look like if we adopted that practice? Because, you know, we have to, sometimes we have to step out and put a bit of effort into our following of Jesus. Did you know that? We've said this before, and I think most of my life, I kind of sat back and expected the Spirit to sort it all out for me, and it's all cool around some kind of holiday on a lilo. It's completely opposite. We can't do it without his strength, but actually he wants us often to make the first move towards it. So what would it look like in your life to make a move towards praying continually today? What would it look in my life if I was to give thanks in all circumstances? Because again, it links prayer and praise and worship all together. It doesn't mean I'm thankful for everything that comes my way. There's a difference there. Let me just put that out there. There's a difference there. Because life is difficult and challenges come. And there's not going to be things we're thankful for that are going on around us. But giving thanks to God, we can do. Because we can misread this and think we're supposed to be happy and glad all the time. But actually, God's created us with emotion. Did you know that? God's created us with the emotion of sadness. God's created us with the emotion of lament. He created those, and there's nothing wrong with that. But actually, we can still give thanks in all circumstances. And this passage goes on, and we could spend a whole, a whole morning just unpacking the rest of this passage. But let me bring you to verse 24. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. We sang earlier about the powerful name of Jesus. We sang earlier, how great thou art. And a lot of this comes down to, do we actually believe that? Not can you quote me chapter and verse and and tell me and, and point me to somewhere in scripture, it might reiterate that, but do you know that in the very depths of your soul? And if you don't, if you have doubts, that's okay. God isn't waiting with a baseball bat to clobber you because we don't trust him enough. God isn't waiting there to trip you up because my faith isn't strong enough. He's there waiting with open arms 
for us to come to him because he wants to give us an insight in what it would be like if we lived this way. He wants to give us an insight into what it would be like if we lived this way, what he really wants to do through you and I. And that familiar passage in Philippians where it talks about he wants to do beyond all we can ask or imagine. Again, we leave the end bit of that out often because he says that according to his power at work through you. He wants to use you and I beyond what we can ask or imagine for his glory and for his purposes. Did you know that? Through his power at work through you. But if we're not in that deep communion with him, prayer, prayer is central to all of this. Prayer is so central to all of this. Romans 8.26, Paul again encourages us, and this encourages me, Romans 8.26. It reads in the same way, the Spirit helps in our weakness. God knows I haven't got it all figured out. He knows there's times I doubt. He knows there's times my faith isn't as strong as it should be. And then it says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Have you ever just sat in his presence, just quiet, and said, Lord, I have no idea how to pray for this situation. I have no idea how to pray for this person. I have just no idea what to even say to you, but just sit in his presence. Physically, sometimes if we open our, open our arms, it opens our heart, our physical and emotional is attached. And actually say, Lord, I, I need you, Holy Spirit, to intercede for me because I just can't. And sometimes because the, what we need to pray for is too painful. That's the reality of it as well sometimes. Sometimes what's burdened us, what's on our heart for those we love, it's too painful to express in words. But he says, actually, you can just sit there in his presence and the Holy Spirit will take it. It says further on that he searches our hearts. He knows your pain. He knows your anguish. And he's been there before and experienced it all as well. He's gone through it all before. That sin you're battling with, do you know Jesus came up against the same thing? Otherwise, how could he intercede for us if he didn't? You know, Jesus just wasn't tempted that one time on the mountain with Satan. Believe me, Satan just didn't do that and leave him alone. Because if, if he could remove Jesus or take his focus off the job he had to do, he won. Just because it's not recorded, I can probably, I can almost guarantee that he was having to go in all of the time, with everything, in every situation. He's experienced it all, he's gone through it all before. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. I'm encouraged by that, because often I'm weak. Often my faith is small. Often my, my, my focus is taken by stuff that's going on around me, by problems, by to-do lists, and by stuff I've got to do, and by burdens, and he helps us in our weakness.
I'm going to ask you a question. Does God answer prayer? Does God hear you? Let me ask you a slightly different question. You might think this is a bit odd. Is God even there? Of course he is, you're telling me. He tells me, you, uh, you can, again, take me to lots of scripture, but does my life actually reflect that fact? I'll tell you this, because if God doesn't hear my prayer or answer prayer, then I would doubt whether he was even there. If he's not a God I can come to, a God I can pour out my heart to, a God I can plead with, a God I can rejoice with and be moved to the very core when he speaks to me. That's not a kind of God I want to bother with. That's just some idea about some deity that's distant and cold. Without faith, without prayer, sorry, our faith just isn't real. It's through prayer that our faith gets real. Can I tell you that? It's through that deep connection, that deep communion with the Father through his son Jesus, who we're going to celebrate here in a few moments, that our faith gets real. I just want to talk about, just really briefly, and this, this kicks into our view of God that we talked about earlier. Do we all believe that God is the creator and sustainer of the universe? We've been going through Star Wars recently, and they're always talking about the universe in Star Wars because they're in this huge galaxy that's somewhere off. Making it this, but they're always talking about the, the universe needs, the universe needs, and actually the universe needs God. But is he the creator and sustainer of the universe? Let me read a passage to you. Read along with me if you can to Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. And it reads, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for him, in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, or all things exist, depending on which version you've got in front of you. In him... All things hold together. And you might know this, but do we, do, we, do we really know this? Because like I was saying, when we have this different view of God, it fuels our prayer life. It fuels our worship. It changes the way we come before him. It changes the things I bring before him. And as we're thinking about that, have a think. We've said, we've said this a few weeks ago. Just think back to your past week. Think about the things you might have prayed for this week, if at all. 
that's okay. Think about the things you've prayed for this week. Taking the current situation on a doorstep aside, because Ukraine is, 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 is really, really in, in our midst and on our minds, so you probably prayed for that. Let's, let's put that one aside. Think about everything else you've prayed for this week. If God answered yes to all of your prayers, how would the world be different? How would the world be different? Not your life, not your convenience, not your comfortableness, but if God answered yes to all of our prayers, how would the world be different? That's a challenge. And we're allowed to bring the intricacies of our lives to God, but it should be more than that. It needs to be that and then some. We need to be praying for our neighbourhoods, for, for, for our work colleagues, for our horrible bosses, if you've got one, by the way. Not all bosses are, some are. What would it be like in your workplace if your boss came to know the creator of the universe and through his son Jesus was transformed? What would that look like to your workplace? What would that look like to, to, to your job? What are we praying for? What are the things that are on our heart? What are the things we're pouring our heart out for? We're praying continually for that family member who doesn't yet know Jesus. We're praying continually for that family member that knows Jesus but is choosing to ignore him right now. We're praying continually in our homes with one another that the rivers of life that we have would pour out of our homes into our neighbourhoods, into our streets and into our city. We pray for the 350,000 odd so people in this city, many of which have never heard the name of Jesus in the right context. Not for opportunities for us, because we, we, I can't meet 350,000 people, but you know, he can. Wouldn't it be amazing if the city of peace and reconciliation became about knowing the peace of God and reconciling to God through Jesus Christ? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing? We need to up our prayer lives. I need to up my prayer life. And if we want to see a, a movement of the Spirit in our, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our families, and in this city, it starts with this. It starts with prayer. There has been no movement in history that hasn't started with deep, deep prayer. Sometimes it's just one or two people. There was a revival in the Outer Hebrides that started with two, two spinster sisters who, decide, who didn't sleep well all night, so they decided they were going to pray all night that God would send someone. And God sent someone to answer their prayer. And the whole of those islands came to Jesus. God answers prayer. He really does. He answers the cries of his children. And because God to hear our prayers. And you might be thinking, well, no, God has never heard my prayer and I don't hear from him. Let me, let's take you to a couple of verses in the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 18 and then verse 6. And I love the Psalms and I love the way the psalmists are just honest. They're more honest than we are often, I think, with God. In my distress, verse 6 of Psalm 18, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. He wasn't bothered. 
that what it says? It says, from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry before him. My cry came before him into his ears. We can't say, well, I tried that once and it didn't work. If we've got that mindset, the idea of prayer is not that anything works. The idea of prayer is to enter into his presence. Do you know the idea of prayer is really to hear from God, not to give him a shopping list? But we can cry out to him. We can bear our soul before him and be on our knees and say, God, I don't know what you're doing here. I don't understand. Will you give me some insight and show me what's going on? And I get that. In our following, in our lives, we've experienced plenty of times where we're like, Lord, what is going on here? But actually, he's still on the throne. Give me perspective often is a good thing to pray. Give me insight into what you see. Open my eyes like Gehazi, Elijah's servant, so I can see things that I can't see at the moment. And does God answer our prayers? Here's another one. Does God answer our prayers? Back in James 5.16, towards the end of that, it says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And then it talks about Elijah, which James was writing to to, to Jewish Christians, so they would have understood that. They'd have heard the stories. And we we probably know the stories of Elijah and the the amazing things he did. And he's, he's there at Mount Carmel, and he just says, God, send fire down. And fire comes down to light this altar that they've, they've poured water onto. And so many more times, God says, Elijah prays, God, stop the rain. Elijah prays, God, send the rain. And we, we stand in awe, wow, that, that guy was amazing. And that's our problem, do you know that? We look at someone else and think, oh, well, they're great. They must have something else I don't. But no, they don't. They don't at all. They don't have something else you can't have, let's put it that way and that I can't have. And the thing is, Elijah wasn't sat there kicking back, not really interested in God until the proverbial hit the fan and then came to him. Elijah was a man of God. He was someone whose life was open to what God was saying. He was someone whose life was, what, what he wanted God's presence in his life. If we truly want to see God move, we want to see prayer answered. You know what? If we want to see God perform miracles, because I believe he still does, we really, I need to, we need to get out of our half-hearted prayer ruts and live the faith we say we have in prayer. But when we do that, we need to be willing to respond and obey as well. Going back to our family service a few weeks ago, we were talking about the Shema and how in Hebrew there's no difference between the word listen and obey. So if you're listening, it's just, it's just kind of presupposed that we then obey. And if we don't know how to pray this week, let's come before the Holy Spirit and say, will you intercede for me because I don't know what to say? Will you intercede for me because this is too hard, this is too difficult? 
Let's get to a place together. And can I, can, can I just say this? If you struggle with prayer, and you want to walk alongside someone else and figure out what that looks like together, would, would you be brave enough to get in touch with me this week? If you haven't prayed for the last three years, God's not really bothered at this point. He just wants to hear from you now. If prayer isn't a part of who we are, that's okay. But let's, together, let's journey and let's figure out what this is like. Let's get to that place where together, imagine if all of us in here, if in three months' time we were saying, do you know what? I heard God saying to me this today. Imagine if our, our conversations over coffee afterwards, which we're working on, thank you for being patient. We're like, wow, God challenged, spoke to me about my neighbour and I went round and, and it was the perfect timing. And do you know what God did? Imagine if that was our conversation, because that's where God wants us to be as people. Imagine the impact that has on, on your neighborhood, on your workplace, on your school, on your college, on your university. We can't say we know this stuff, but leave power. It doesn't work. We can't. Because if we know this and we're in love with, with the author of this, then, then, then I'm so in love with him, I can't leave him alone. And that's where he wants us to be as people. My challenge to myself is, actually, let's do something about this. Let's pray big, bold, amazing, astounding prayers like we talked about a few weeks ago. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to knock down the, the, the powers that are reigning over this city. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to pour out rivers of life over the people of this city that don't yet know Jesus. Because this, this is what it's all about. This here that we're going to come to in a few moments. Let's pray for our bosses. Let's pray for those people in charge. Let's pray for our counsellors. Let's pray bold prayers to God. But be willing also to step out in faith. Because when we pray that way, he's probably going to say, well, go on then. But we can believe and trust in a God who's the creator and sustainer of all things. Again, when we see God that way, we, we then begin to trust him more. We then begin to want to walk in step with his spirit as we've been talking about this year. I'm going to pray and then we're going to come to communion now together and our ushers are going to come up in a moment. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for your love and your patience with us. We want to thank you that you're not there trying to smite us because our prayer life isn't what it should be. And that's for me as well, Lord. I thank you for your kindness and your love. I thank you that your spirit helps us in our weakness. Lord, you don't expect us to have it all figured out. Forgive us for the, the times when we think we can't come before you because we haven't got it all figured out. Lord, that picture in the Gospels of the, of the Pharisee and the tax collector coming to, um, on their knees before you and which one was justified. Lord, take our inhibitions away when we come before you in prayer, would you? Strengthen our faith, our trust in you. And we, we, will, we will ask as we come before your table, before communion, before this picture of the sacrifice that you, that you gave for us, Jesus. 
I pray we would do this in a spirit of prayer. And the pauses we have, we would start praying to you in thankfulness and praise. But also, Lord, what would you have me to do today? Help us to be bold. Give us boldness, we pray. Lord, even, even these people, these heroes of faith we look up to, even Paul asked those he was writing to that, to pray that he would have boldness. And we, we look at him and we think, well, why did he need that? Because he needed the strength from your spirit within him. Help us to make this first step towards that. Help us, Lord, not to be shy or ashamed, if, if, but help us, Lord, to, to be able to do this with someone else together. Lord, where two or three are gathered together, you're in their midst. That's a promise. Lord, would you speak to us today by your spirit as we continue in this heart of worship and prayer around the communion table now. We ask this in your name. Amen.